Hey guys, how's it going? Scott here from scottsbasslessons.com and I'm back with another episode of the Scott's Bass Lessons podcast for you. Today we've got the awesome Andrew McKinney with us from JTQ, which is obviously James Taylor Quartet. By the way guys, if you've not heard the James Taylor Quartet before, it's not, you know, the acoustic guitar player James Taylor Quartet, it's the seriously funky JTQ James Taylor Quartet. So check them out and Andrew has been playing with them for 10 years, it's 10 years ago since he joined the band. He's a seriously great bass player, super funky, and in this podcast he's going to talk about being a better groove player, how to get the best out of the drummer that you're working with, which is obviously a super interesting subject, and what it's like working with James Taylor as well. I should also mention that he's head of bass at BIM as well, which is, I don't know what it stands for, B-I-M-M in London. It's like one of the big music schools in London. British Institute of Modern Music, maybe? Something like that. that'll do. <laughs> and he's a reb- regular player in London, in London's West End as well. Um, and right now he's doing, I think he's doing Dream Girls at the minute as well. You got to, he'll, he'll tell you all about it in the podcast. I'll let Nick take over, in the, take over in a minute. And also, I think he tells you about his killer 62P bass as well. So obviously, you know, I'm a huge fan of the P basses. But before we get into the uh, this month's or this week's podcast, I should also mention that we've just released this very week, we've just released our first in the SBL Artist Series courses into the course library here at Scott's Bass Lessons. Um, As many of you know, I was over in New York at the beginning of 2017 filming a series of courses with guys like Cody Wright, Rich Brown, Evan Marion, Rufus Philpot, Jonathan Marin, Damian Erskine, Adam Neely, like a ton of great bass players. We were creating courses with those guys and with, well, really with the uh, the intention of really blowing, blowing Scott's bass lessons up and taking it to that next level and getting the best bass players in the world involved in Scott's bass lessons, getting them into the faculty and really pushing what we're doing to the next level. And this week we've released our very first artist series course into the membership and it is Cody Wright's Unorthodox Bass. Okay, so it's Unorthodox Bass Techniques with Cody Wright and that is in the Academy at Scott's Bass Lessons right now. So if you are a member, just go over to the course, well log in obviously, and then go over to the course library and it is there for you. Cody talks about all the different pick techniques he uses. He talks about um, the impl- well, how to imply the blues within soloing and improvisational techniques. It's, it, it's like a really, really great course and as I explained, Cody delivers it in an amazing way and there's some really cool exclusive performances on there as well that you can check out so if you're an academy member go check that out it is in the course library already if you're not an academy member don't worry you can grab your 14 day free trial so you can check out Cody's course completely free for 14 days just go to scottsbasslessons.com and get hooked up with that but also as part of your membership obviously you get access to I think there's 21 22 other courses in there for you to check out um they're absolutely fantastic a lot of them are from me but we've also got faculty member like chris may from overwater bases teaching you how to set up and maintain your base we've got grammy nominated warren hewitt the producer who's talking who's worked with guys like aerosmith and james blunt who's talking about how to record your base there's a ton of cool stuff in there and also if you join up right now obviously you're gonna get well we release a course every single month 
So if you join up today, you're going to get 12 more courses throughout the year as part of your membership. So you'll get access to 20 whatever courses we've already got and a new course every single month. And remember, we also have weekly live seminars from our faculty members as well. And you also get access to the seminar archive, which is, I think we've got over 100 uh, pre-recorded seminars in there already and that's growing every single month so go grab your free trial over at scottspaceessence.com and get in on all of this awesome action now without further ado let's get into this month's podcast with the awesome andrew mckinney hey guys welcome back to another episode of the sbl podcast joined today by andrew mckinney from um, james taylor quartet also head of base at bim london where you've been for well for as long as i can remember you've been yep heading things up down there um, but let's start with talking about JTQ um, yeah how did that all start and what kind of opened the door to getting that gig uh, well it's pretty much exactly 10 years ago since I started playing with James so um, yeah I just threw horn players that I knew basically he had different um, you know trumpet and sax players and I knew one of his trumpet players uh, who recommended me for the gig and uh, yeah, I did a I did a couple of depths to start with, and then when he was looking to change things up, he uh, yeah he asked me if I wanted to do it. So yeah, it's been been ten years, and yeah, it's been great. So it's one of the coolest gigs I think in the UK, definitely for a bass oh. player in particular. Yeah, it's well, I get to a real play. roast, isn't it? Yeah, I get to play. Yeah, I get. I mean, it's exactly the sort of music I love, and I get to play, um, you know, whatever I want. Really, there's a lot of flexibility within it. Um, and a lot of freedom within the parts and you know you although yeah it's not it's not like completely improvised or whatever and there are you know relatively set things in some regard but you're also sort of standing on stage every night and anything could happen because he never writes a set list um you know and he's very open and yeah a lot of the things we do do in a sort of similar way but um because we're all we're all quite good at communicating and, and kind of just going with things so like yeah you one gig to the next can be completely different so that's really exciting just sort of you know standing there and feeling that free um yeah it's a really real privilege so how do you deal with that i mean because i've seen you at some gigs where i'm not even sure you know when the tune is going to start but but you've got to be on it when it does start yeah well yeah i mean we play over the years we've we've played a lot and also the the current sort of main quartet lineup has been pretty stable for a good few years and we've done loads of gigs together. So that just builds up your confidence of, of thinking, you know, I don't know exactly what's coming up, but, uh, you know, I will, it will be all right. You know, and even a lot of the tunes, James starts and you'll see us as you obviously noticed when you came to see us, you know, we're, we're sort of looking around at each other. The three of us are going, what's this one? (laughs) And then, you, you know, you, you just hope that before it kind of, kicks off properly you remember what it is um but sometimes you get confused or whatever and it's fine james is very he's very um he really wants people just to sort of express themselves and and enjoy the gig it's he's not really into the the details and making sure everything's sort of musically perfect it's more just about the vibe and you know putting it across in terms of what the audience are going to get into and they're not going to worry about little details here or there so um but yeah obviously we try and get those right as well but that that's not the priority really for him so which I, which has been a real uh education you know to to work with and i've i've got a lot out of that and yeah it's been really important do you think that's something that's being lost a little bit in today's kind of crop of bass players where there's such a big everyone worries about playing the right note but they don't necessarily worry about 
putting as much emphasis on feel and groove and that kind of thing? Uh, yeah, I don't know if that's changed. I think that's always been a part of it. Um, I think what's, yeah, it's, James is like really tuned into like what, what is the point of a gig? You know, a really sort of fundamental, why is the audience there and what is occurring in the, at this event? And I think as, as musicians, I don't know whether it's a sort of trained musician or music college thing or, or even outside of that, I think, you know, people get very hung on, hung up on, you know, the important thing when you're standing on stage is, is to get everything right and to play well. And yes, that is important, but there's, there's a sort of, it, this is what I've really sort of learned from hanging around with James and, and doing all these gigs is, like I said, he, he's massively tuned into that, um, what the whole event is about. And then, and that's the way he plays really. And then you, you get to sort of realign your priorities really. And, um, yeah, it's been massively educational in, in that regard. But he's very sort of um, he's a very sort of he's a very sort of thinking guy, and he's um, he's trained psychotherapist as well, actually. So he's very into you know humans and what makes them tick, and and that's quite a deep level. So that's been yeah, it's been really good for me and taking that to other musical situations, and yeah, that's been uh, really valuable. But I think that's why the gigs are, are, are good. You know, it's a live band, and people of any type of uh, music that they're into that hopefully you know they're mostly going to have a, a good time at our gig you don't have to be a jazz head or you know really into funk or whatever you know we play a lot of festivals and things where people just roll up and they don't really know what they're going to get but hopefully i think james is really good at sort of tuning into people and, and making them have a good time which ultimately is really what it's all about so i don't know if that makes sense but um yeah sure absolutely so how has that kind of changed over the 10 years you've been in the band have there been points where he's sort of consciously wanted to change in direction or has he just been happy to let it evolve uh yeah i think he's you know he's sort of restlessly creative so he's he's always got a new project on the go or some new thing and it's he's he's never happy just to sort of sit on the same thing i mean the live show is kind of the live show and what we do in other projects and recordings and stuff doesn't always sort of feed directly into that um but, some, you know, sometimes it does. But, yeah, he's always looking at, at doing different stuff. So I think he just likes to sort of push himself and, you know, find new things to do. So, you know, I think it was last year we did an album with a choir. So that was JTQ, but not a sort of gospel choir, like a cathedral choir. So he got really into that sort of music and writing for that. So that was, you know, a massively different experience. We did a few gigs of that. We did a we did an album called The Rochester Mass. So that's, you know, really ambitious and sort of different especially from someone who's not come from a trained musical background he bought Sibelius and started learning that and going having lessons and then you know he's done that and then the next thing we're doing is a, an album with strings so he's sort of learned about writing for strings and orchestral stuff so we're going to do an album at Abbey Road in the next few months doing that so so yeah always sort of moves on like I said the live show some of those elements come in and sometimes well we well we did take the um the choir to Ronnie Scott's actually which was quite good fun so oh, yeah. Yeah, sometimes there's a crossover there as well. But and also he just, like I said, you know, loves to play live and and really make it an event, and um, that's that's what it's all about. So yeah, we we'll just do that as much and as often as we can, you know. So that's cool. How has your live sound changed? Do you think the bass sound? Uh, well, bass. Uh, yeah, I mean, I when I first started playing with James, I knew the previous bass player, Gary Crockett, who's actually you know, a guy I was really into his playing and really checked him out. I have a lot of respect for his playing. And he played a jazz bass 
with that sort of thing. And I, I don't know, when I first depth, I was really into playing my P bass and uh, with flat round strings, and it's quite different, and it's maybe not the, the obvious choice, but I thought, no, I'm, I'm going to go with that, and I've sort of stuck with that. And, you know, James really likes it. And, uh, yeah, so P bass and flat round strings, and just keep it real simple, you know, so... Um, I don't use any effects or any alteration. I sort of James is quite keen on that as well. I think in terms of musicians, just just you got to try and make make it happen yourself, you know, from yourself, rather than trying to you know add in extra this or that. It's like keep the setup quite simple, and then you know, because a lot of the gigs you're sort of really challenged to to sort of dig deep and you know make something happen and it's very easy if you've got effects or other things to go oh well i need a bit more so i'll step on this or do that and, and actually i did a little bit of that on my first step and and uh james was cool with that you know but it's like you know i don't know if he said it directly but it was a bit like yeah do you really need that you know and i was like actually yeah, maybe you're right and then you know it's standing on stage sometimes you know you're trying to get the energy to lift and and you you think oh, i could really do with something here but if you haven't got that then you have to be really more resourceful and i really like that that process of trying to sort of dig deep and you know you sort of build and build and build and you that you get all this energy up there and then James kind of wants more and it's like you know where do you go how do you get that and then you really have to think you know shit what am I going to do you know he wants more it's, we're still going here there's another level to reach you know which I haven't haven't really thought about or what well, I don't know you know so what are you going to do so and then you really find these I don't know I basically I just sort of start taking it apart again and sort of you know you sort of build all this thing up into this sort of level of intensity and then the only way to go higher sometimes I find is just to take take stuff out so so yeah in, in answer to your question in terms of sound it's been pretty stable um, in that regard uh, yeah you can't beat it really you know I've got an old nice old P bass and you know it it just sounds great so the rest of it it's got to come come from me somehow hopefully <laughs> yeah. how do you do that i mean you talk there about breaking it down again but i mean once you've got so high i mean i remember speaking to someone recently about cream they were really good at that kind of <coughs> pushing each other yeah. to a level and then all, yeah yeah everyone climaxing sort of at the same point yeah uh, i guess that's where your your relationship with the rest of the guys really pays off yeah 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 you you yeah that's what i what i do really you know um sort of try and take myself out of the moment in a way or try and try and just focus on other things and you know let yourself a bit more indirectly um, rather than going what can I do you know and that's kind of what you start off doing you know we'll be going around something and it, and it needs to build somehow so you you're sort of thinking oh I could do this or I could do that and, and you, you, you sort of put your own ideas in but really what's better it, when it, when possible you know is to try and just sort of take yourself out of the equation and uh, I don't want to get too sort of spiritual or anything, but, you know, just sort of try and take, take your own self out of it and listen. And I just focus on other people then. And I just try and observe them in a really sort of detailed way. And then I find myself just sort of responding more, more um, instinctively and with less sort of conscious thought. And that, that seems to be, it's not, it's really hard to do. And it's something I'm always sort of, you know, challenging myself to do, but it's, um, when it works it feels really good so so yeah just try and stop thinking basically <laughs> <laughs> is that yeah. something you think you can work on away from the band when you're on your own uh well <clears throat> for me i think you you know again 
sort of drilling like the experience of sort of working with James is you know trying to really drill down to you know what exactly is going on here you know what is the transaction that's taking place and I think for me like practice and my own musicianship and my own sort of development that I why am I doing that you know so that when I'm on stage I don't need to think about it so so yeah I'm, I think you you sort of put the the timing on your instrument in terms of getting your get your toolkit there and meaning that you have got these different things to draw on and you have got a reasonably kind of deep well or, or as it were to kind of keep get because sometimes you need all of it you know so so that's what your own sort of personal practice is about um uh so there yeah, you put that time in so then you, you've got that on stage to draw on but really yeah on stage i think it's just the experience and just learning to trust other people and and that's it's really great i mean the feeling like you know i play with a lot of good good guys and in jtq has been some amazing you know musicians and, and still are and it's it's great they've got to work with different people and it's really this current quartet like i said is is really sort of bedded in we done you know we've done loads of gigs because our gigs vary you know sometimes we have i think you saw us with a horn section and a singer but then these days you know we just do a lot just as the quartet so um just instrumental quartet so you really have you know you've got to really dig deep in those situations and we've done a lot of it we you know we did like 10 days in a row in italy the other year and that was really good just for for trying stuff out and you know learning to really trust each other but yeah i just enjoy everyone's playing so much that like i said if it, i can quite eat well not quite easy it's quite it's quite a challenge i think to try and sort of have that disconnection from what you're doing but that's in when it works well you know like i said that's what what i'm sort of going for how about your stamina because there's an awful lot of 16ths yeah yeah is that something you've worked on or something uh uh i just try and practice and these days it's more important for me to sort of warm up and stretch and stuff like that you know as age as age you know catches up with you and all that but um yeah i'm gonna be 40 this year you know so uh (laughs) that's all changing but yeah i just no i mean we do a lot of it and uh, you know i've i've always uh, you know i try and like i say stretch and have good good um good technique and stuff like that so that that's not causing an issue but yeah sometimes it's hard you know and the funny thing you know the thing with that the way um the communication works on stage in terms of those builds that there's a kind of unwritten well yeah sort of unwritten rule that james james sort of directs the band so you know he'll say like when it's the next section which is which is good because you know you'll have a guitar player or drummer or myself i might be doing a solo and in in a lot of contexts you know you can just sort of look up or give the nod and you go i'm done you know i've I've had enough you know (laughs) or that that's all you're going to get you know so i can do that but but james is in is in charge of that so i see that not so much with bass because you know i don't tend to do the longer solos but with guitar players and drummers you can you can tell musically in the way that they're looking that they're thinking shit you know that or or, or, you know that was it that that was my p and and james you know deliberately or otherwise just sort of won't give the cue it's like it's like (laughs) he's like almost sort of you know saying no you know let's have more you know you can you can do it you know and he's he's sort of supporting a musician in that way and then you can almost sort of see what's going on let's say in a drummer's mind they're going really what more and then they're like all right then and then you know when they're sort of put in that spot there's some amazing things that happen so uh i can't remember what the initial question was but yeah about sort of practicing and and working on the stamina i think as long as you sort of take care of yourself and and do that that's been yeah it's been okay we could always have more you know but um but yeah, it's not too bad. How about specifically working with a drummer in that group? Are there any sort of 
cues from the drums that you take more than others or a particular part of the kit that you'll listen to more than other parts? No. Uh, not really. I mean... It's just one great quite... big rhythm section, right? <clears throat> yeah, and... Oh, it's funny. I don't know what you think about this, but, like, look, with JTQ, I stand between James and the drums. Yeah. So, like, I'm on the drummer's ride cymbal side, on the on the right-hand side. And a lot... I remember hearing people saying, oh, I'd much prefer to stand on that, on the hi-hat side. side. Sure. So I, I, don't, I don't get that. Why? You know, like, I can hear, do you really need the hi-hat to keep you in time? You know, I don't, I don't really get that. So I'm quite happy standing there, and there's nothing particularly I listen to. Um, and in terms of the grooves and that, they're quite flexible. Actually, I do have a little theory, which I sometimes bore drummers with, about that sort of music, if they'll listen. Uh, it's just... A lot of those grooves, I think, as long as you start off the bar the same together, like let's say for the first beat, after that, kind of anything can happen. But I, I kind of like to get the first two notes together. So are we going dum dum or whatever, or are we going dum good? You know, those sort of things. I think if you, if you, I, this is my sort of own crazy theory that probably doesn't doesn't make it any any sense whatsoever. But you know, if if we hit those two notes together, like. I think because there's a lot of flexibility and syncopation and improvisation. So I think beyond that point, um, doesn't really, I mean, when you get to a certain point of energy and excitement, like, it, it, you know, anything happens and it's fine. But certainly when a lot of those grooves and sometimes I had a, a depth drummer in and I'll be like, oh, can, could, would you mind just doing doof doof on that one? <laughs> yeah, you kind of feel a bit stupid. But um, but yeah, I just think like from that point on, then you can sort of springboard off into into whatever. Uh, and I, th I think that works, but you know, I could be wrong. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Try it out. See what you think. <laughs> How do you think you can become a better groove player if you want to? How do you teach that or could, learn that? More importantly. Yeah, good question. Actually, yeah, I did do some some articles on that a little while ago. Um, it's it. I think it's it's got simple in essence. Uh, I mean, you've got, you've got to listen um, and also you've got to be comfortable with uh, your sort of independence and coordination, which I think is something, you know, drummers will be very um, happy to talk about and study and all that. But uh, it doesn't apply in quite such a direct way to like an instrument like the bass. But I think what I mean by that is, you know, can you can you listen to something else that's occurring whilst at the same time? do what you need to do and I think people with with poor timing or or people that haven't worked enough on that yet are drifting out because they're not they're too focused on what they're doing they're not able to do those two things at once so um in terms of working on it yeah it's just really sort of simple stuff like playing with a metronome and that's not about metronomic timing although that is an asset to you I think that's about you've got uh, you've got something else that's occurring and you and can you match those two things up and on stage and in a live gig, that that other thing will be musicians, and that will be great. Um, but I think you can certainly sort of train yourself for that, as it were, um, by working with sort of time source things like that can be useful. But, um, and just in a nutshell, you know, I would say, you, you know, work on those things and, and align, work on aligning yourself with with stuff um, like a click track or a drum machine or anything like that. But then, as you, if you want to really strengthen your timing and kind of um get even stronger it needs to come from within so 
excuse me so yeah you start off by kind of aligning yourself up to something but then really if you can start taking it away that's what i say to my students you know like yeah use a drum loop and stuff to start with because it will help it will kind of provide you with this sort of you know uh like a sort of very supportive bed for you to to that can but it, but it, at the same time it can kind of carry you along and then when you take that away you know what's left so i would say in terms of practice it's good to then kind of wean yourself off that sort of thing and and reduce it down to you know you know sort of obvious click exercises that we all know about like only having like a click on the two and four and stuff like that that's a really good way to to make sure that you're sort of actively projecting the groove and the subdivision and the, and the feel of it rather than just being carried along with something you know so that's something i look to do anyway you know are you are you just sort of playing in the groove in time with people or are you actually pushing out you know actually projecting this groove i think that's what makes drummers like playing with you you know a great drummer can make you sound good which is cool but are you making them sound good it's i don't think it's as easy on bass but it's something we should we should try and do anyway absolutely let's touch on your teaching at bim okay you've been there for what and part of that sort of institution for how long do you think a uh, long time yeah a long time <laughs> well uh yeah i mean the college has got a long history and various names over Absolutely. the years but yeah. but yeah essentially i suppose i started in around 2000 so but i was working for drum tech at the time uh, my first job was teaching music theory to drummers which was cool you know and really helped me get some sort of teaching chops together you know uh i won't make any jokes at their expense but anyway it really kind of helps you sort out what you're doing in the classroom so yeah i worked for them for a bit and then in 2004 um yeah i became head of bass when they set up a bass department there um and then that later we became we were tech music school then and then we became part of the bim group and now you know um i'm it's still basically the same place for me there but uh, these days i'm i'm still head of bass but i'm also course leader for the degree course so i don't do as much teaching as i i used to but um yeah i deal with sort of management and running the course as well as a bass department so yeah what do you think that's given you as a bass player outside of school being a teacher at an institute like that well i mean teaching of any sort is really good for your own playing in terms you know it helps you really to sort of understand and sort of sort out what it is you do and and how you do that which is a really useful process i think so that's been good and you know um i really like working with the students and seeing them develop and a lot of them are out there doing great stuff which is really cool and also a lot of the teachers are are really good friends of mine and, and great musicians that i like to play with so so that's good yeah um is there been anything that you've noticed from students that kind of fundamentals that everybody needs that they might not necessarily have before they arrive there, like a checklist of, of things uh, to go through? I don't really mind what they come in with, to be honest. It's just kind of more about what they do when they're here. You know, we've got different courses for different levels and all that. But um, for me, the thing is, you know, are people prepared to not just sort of put in the work that it takes, but are they prepared to work on the right things? You know, I think sometimes in any instrument and and anything like this you know it's about sort of attention to detail and and it's not just being okay at let's say the basics but you you want to kind of really get so that sometimes that's a challenge when you're you know you've got a student that wants to be and kind of can play all this really cool clever stuff and and sound good 
but there's something in their playing that's holding them back in terms of their sound or their tone or something and it's like yeah i know you i know you like doing that sort of stuff and you kind of sound okay doing it but what you really need to do is just play uh eighth notes or quavers at 60 beats a minute with a click and try and sort out your plucking hand consistency or something like that so you can say that sort of stuff and, and people will will kind of agree but it's quite it's quite hard to actually do that, isn't it? <laughs> like when you're used to doing all this cool stuff and it's like, yeah, what you need to do is a bit more of that. But um, I mean, for anyone, yeah, that's not across the board, of course. That's, um, you know, for anyone should ideally be working on, you kind of got to work on all levels of your house, as it were, sure. you know, at all times, really. So it's it's, it's not easy. But uh, it's a good, good standard. I've got some really, really hot players at the moment, you know, so... And bass department always seems to do well in terms of, well, we're the smallest department, I think probably the same anywhere. There's less bass players than guitar, drums and vocals. But I think in terms of sort of successful alumni and all that sort of stuff, we, we, we sort of punch above our weight, as it were, in terms of student numbers. So that's always good to see. Can you give us some examples of students that have, have gone on to great things? Uh, yes, quite a few out there. So, I mean, Phil Simmons, uh, he did a load of world touring with Jesse J and now he's moved to LA and is a very successful producer out there. So that's great to see. Uh, Diego Rodriguez is around. He's been playing with Rumor. He's doing stuff on telly all the time. Uh, yeah. Sandy Beals worked with us. He, he was studied here a few years ago, so he was doing the tours for One Direction. Uh, Vicky Warwick's on, she's been touring with Charlie XCX doing pop cat backs as well uh yes yeah, quite a lot of guys out there i don't know if you know any of those names yeah, but absolutely, um, yeah um, but how, yeah. how have you prepared them or how do you prepare them or do you kind of say thanks for coming good luck. yeah <laughs> well some people are just so sort of driven and i just try not to get in the way basically yeah. <laughs> i don't know if that's but like you know someone like phil um his last year at college, he was already getting some really serious work and uh, I think already touring with Jesse J. So at that point, you know, it's not about me sort of teaching him what he needs to know. You know, it's more about how can I help him sort of get through the rest of the course and, you know, I try and be as flexible as we can because obviously that's what we that's that's what we want to try and achieve. So the fact that he's doing that before he's left college is great. And and it's you know, there's a there's a limit, but you, we can be quite flexible in terms of supporting people in the industry work, which is nice. You know, we're not one of those places where it's like, no, you're at college now, so you've got to do your assessments and not go on tour. It's it's not like that. And some people, like I think Kat, for example, she she was working with Tricky at the time, so she took a year off, so we managed to defer her place for a whole year. But then, you know, and whenever that happens, you always think, oh, that's probably the last time I'll ever see you. <laughs> but actually, she did come back and go, no, it's important to me. I want to finish off my degree. So, so yeah, she did that. How do you think the role of the instrument has changed since when you first started out to now, these guys going out there themselves now? Uh, or, or maybe well, the perception of the, of the role more than the role itself? Yeah, it's hard to say. I mean, a lot of things are constant and a lot of things are, you know, are things that are valued, always have been valued. And like anything, you know, the more strings to your bow you've got, the more employable you are. And obviously, you know, it's like it has been for quite a few years using keyboards and synths and understanding technology is, is really important. And the more the more of those things. But, you know, still versatility and all that is, is still the same sort of thing. The only thing I you've got to sometimes advise students about and remember yourself is that you you can't do everything so you know do you 
do you you know try and do everything keys double bass electric bass and and or you know or do you just try and focus on the one thing and make it make a go of that it's it's hard to know i think when you're when you're younger when you're when you're studying that's the time to try and try and really broaden your horizons and take on those those different things so it's good to see them when they do that but um yeah i think in terms of the changing role it's just like anything you know as it's the sort of role of the way technology changes and industry changes but i think that that's sort of an ongoing process and i don't see a particular sort of um you know shift at the moment but how much emphasis would you say you put on looking forward as opposed to looking back where as you might you know there's, there's lots you can take from guys like james yeah that era of music <clears throat> but looking yeah. forward you're 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 never going to be in a position, I would say, where you'd be able to play in that, such a creative way as he did. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I always find, um, I always find my students sort of remarkably, I don't know, remarkably receptive to studying the greats and they're, they're all, you know, they're, there's, a, there's a still a very healthy appreciation, I'd say, for, for those guys and the music they made, which I think is a good thing. So, yeah, whenever we're looking at a style or something like that, I try and, but I don't want to only be talking about music that happened before 1980 or whatever, which is right, a bit, right. it is a trap to fall into. Um, so yeah, I just try and keep myself current or as, as I can and always try and sort of, it, you know, it's part of getting older as well, isn't it? When everyone, when anyone plays you some music, you can go, oh yeah, that sounds like based on this, based on that. And, you know, student, you know, young people don't want to hear that you know it's what it's kind of what means it just makes you sound old but yeah it's kind of what um makes it's something that that grabs them and i try and do it you know okay you're interested in that music oh yeah well maybe try checking this out as well and, and that sort of thing so um so yeah but whenever i'm looking at a style i try and relate it or to something that's current and when we do like repertoire for our performance classes we're always sort of trying to get new stuff in there without kind of overlooking the classics but it can be challenging, but but yeah, we've got some really cool new tunes. We do some hiatus coyote and stuff like that, so it's great to get something in that's as current and the students are into and, and we're all into as well as looking at you know more sort of solid classic stuff. Who are the guys that sort of turned your head as far as bass playing goes? Uh, uh, how much time have you got? Um, <laughs> well. Yeah, I suppose in a nutshell, you know, I was into bass and I played rock and, and stuff like that. And then, then I, was, I got really into the sort of in the 90s, there was a sort of acid jazz, basically sort of funk revival sort of stuff, which when I really heard that, you know, Jamiroquai and things like that, when that came out, you know, I'd never really heard all that Stevie Wonder stuff or, or anything from the 70s, pretty much. So when I heard Jamiroquai, that completely changed my life in terms of bass playing uh those first two singles um when you're gonna learn and too young to die like you know i i've never heard anything like that and it's having grown up as a sort of you know being a young kid in the 80s and, and all that when when you heard that sort of stuff with fender roads and real instruments and stuff like that i just couldn't believe it so yeah so i got into all that sort of stuff and including jtq which is you know why it's uh, that's a real honor to be part of that and to be part of that scene so those bands the acid jazz bands were my were my sort of window into into really finding my own music you know and then then you you know say oh well you should check out some more stevie wonder and all i'd heard at that point was i just called to say i love you you know so then you go all oh, right songs in the key of life and you find out all about that so yeah and then uh you know later on you know just got into a lot of the 
funk and R&B guys, you know, like Jameson. And I was uh, really into Chuck Rainey, people like that, and Wilton Felder. Um, and then uh, also uh, Paul Jackson. I'm really into Paul Jackson. His stuff of the headhunters is, yeah, he's one of my all-time favorites. And all the, all the classic, you know, all those sort of guys and Larry Graham and, yeah, and Rocco Prestia and all that. So, yeah. And having listened to all those guys, did you ever kind of want to create your own kind of sound? As a, <clears throat> a combination of all of that stuff? Or have you always tried uh, Well, there's... I think, you know, when <clears throat> when you're sort of younger and you, you, you it's important to try out loads of different stuff. And I spent a lot of time checking out bass players. Uh, and, then there's, and then over time, I sort of realised that I'm you know, the stuff that I'm better at or more suited to. So there's a lot of bass players I put in the category of, of people that I really admire and I really like and I really want to listen to, but I don't really want to sound like, or, or it's just it's just a different sort of stream to the one I'm on. Obviously, you know, I think you should check out as much as you can of, of everything, but, but in terms of like consciously, especially more recently in terms of like, you know, looking at people's play and going, right, I, there's something in there that I want to try and have for or kind of, improve my playing in that way then yeah that's a bit of a sort of narrower field i would say if that makes sense yeah yeah <clears throat> what's coming up next for you andrew what's on the horizon uh well just we've got quite a few jtq dates around uh we're doing a lot of stuff around the uk at the moment we do stuff in in europe quite a lot as well but uh, as it is at the moment yeah it's a lot of uk dates we're supporting soul to soul actually on a few gigs so that'd be good fun uh, we did that a few times last year so we're doing like manchester and norwich and playing brixton as well with them so that'd be cool um yeah we're doing a, like i said an, an album with james with some strings at abbey road so that'd be good and then the other thing i do quite a lot of which is like a separate world entirely uh in terms of jtq but is do, doing west end musicals so so yeah um i'm depping on a couple of shows at the moment so um yeah, I do that. That and again, that's a completely different environment and a sort of almost like a completely different set of skills. So, so yeah, I really like the challenge of, of that. And it's like I said, it's completely different to a JTQ gig. So I'm really lucky that I can kind of operate in both those areas as well. So yeah, that'll keep me busy for sure. Let's touch on that. What's life like as a dep in the West End? I mean, that sounds yeah. terrifying. Uh, yeah, it sort of is, I suppose, to start with. But uh, yeah, I just. I'd always done a little bit of theatre because I could read music. Um, I started off on the cello, so like when I came to college, I could already read music to a reasonable standard. So I was kind of known as someone who could do that. And then I got recommended for doing some sort of uh, you know amateur dramatics and pantomimes and stuff like that. So I did theatre theatre work in that regard, which was good. And then I sort of gradually moved into doing West End stuff. And uh, yeah, it's uh, it's a it's a, I suppose it is quite a lot of pressure. It's a kind of particular type of pressure. Uh, it's a particular environment. So you can have some really good players who don't do so well in, in, in the West End. Uh, just, it's not because they're not good and they can't do it, but it's just it's a very kind of unique circumstance. Uh, but I actually, I actually quite like it because to me it's like, it's like some sort of surgery or something, you know, or it feels like it because everything's so precise and you can hear, you know, you've got your own mixing desk, you know, you can hear everything in absolute clarity, including any mistakes you make and all that sort of stuff. It's like the opposite of a JTQ gig, whereas <laughs> JTQ gig is like, it's all about the energy and just the audience and, and the vibe and all that. Whereas it seems like, I mean, although that is an element of, of, of theatre, I guess, as well, 
but it's not really something that you're so personally involved with sitting in the pit and playing bass. So it's more about the precision and, and, and that. So it's, it feels really satisfying when you get it all right and obviously really disappointing when you get anything wrong. But yeah, so I think over the years I've got better at um, preparing as a show dep and it's the sort of thing that when you're at home, you know, you, you practice stuff and you, you learn it as best you can and you put your energy into certain aspects of the music and then when you go and do the gig, you realise that your energy was, you, do you know what I mean? There's something that you overlooked because you didn't really, you thought, oh, that'll be okay. Yeah. So uh, over the years, you, you, and I still get it wrong, you know, um, but you, you like, you, you see an ending and it says rattle or something and you, and you might initially go, oh, well, look, that's just a couple of minims, that'll be fine. But then you go, no, that's the bit where you need to be watching the MD like a hawk and it might be completely different to how it is on the recording. So don't overlook that you know make sure you, you you've got your hand in the right place and you're going to play the right notes because you might not be able to look so that, that's the sort of the dark art of west end depping as you were as it were but like i said i've been i started depping on dream girls recently which was loads of fun and really good really yeah oh amazing tunes really challenging really challenging depth i think it's it's possibly the hardest one i've done i think just for a combination of factors but even on that there was a bit where there's a there's loads of music that goes quickly from one to the next and you end up sort of throwing them on the floor and <laughs> and you re, you really need to know what's coming up before you get there because otherwise your just head's not going to be in the right place and it's going to go wrong and there was one of those when you know when it's like oh i turn over and then I'm, I'm not quite ready i'm not quite ready with the cues and then you go ah that was and i remember sitting at home going yeah that'll be fine and just turning the page I was like, no. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah that's yeah it's good fun Sounds great, Andrew. Cool. Say thanks very much for um, hanging out today. Yeah, no problem. Be yeah, sure pleasure, to check yeah. out JTQ gigs. Um, what's the website address, Andrew? For the uh, I think it's, yeah, James Taylor Quartet uh, or JTQ. Search on that. There's a tour dates page there, so you'll see where we're. Yeah, yeah. Um, if we'll see where you can. Find you at BIM London. Yeah, I've got a page on there. My own website's broken at the moment. Been too busy to fix it, I'm afraid. But. Uh, uh, yeah, the JTQ dates are on that site, and I'll I'll try and get one fixed soon. That'll be good. But yeah, it's really great to be asked, Nick. Thanks for Absolute having pleasure, me. Andrew. Thank you very Thank much. You. All right, guys, cool. take it easy. All right, cheers. Okay, guys, thanks as always for listening to this this week's podcast. We'll be back next week with another podcast and another killer bass player for you to check out. And as always, if you haven't already, check out the membership at scottsbasslessons.com. You can grab a 14-day free trial and get access to all of the courses that we've already done and obviously all of the courses that we release within your membership. Uh, and we're releasing one a month. So, yeah, so you're going to get access to some, yeah, some life-changing bass educational material, some really, really cool stuff. Um, as always, guys, take it easy, and I'll see you in the shed. Mm-hmm.